Hello, I'm Brad. And I'm Jason. You are listening to Dice in My Mind. So this is, you know, you and I talked about this before we, we hit the record button for the night. Um, it's actually been like like a week or two since a couple weeks actually, yep. yeah. yeah since we've done a recording and mm-hmm. um which is totally on me both weeks basically no 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 no, 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 no. It, it's yeah. literally because you know you know i got stuff going on yeah you've been you you finally got bit with the covid bug yep yep um so if you hear jason mute he's probably he's you're seven days post seven days post negative or seven days post positive post positive yeah post-positive. of course you won't so, hear me mute because by definition that would be impossibility but we all know what you mean <laughs> yeah okay yeah good point <laughs> you'll be muting your microphone how's yes that? yes so, if i if um, i if i have to cough or i just get bored at the conversation i might be quiet yeah that's that's a good point yeah. <laughs> which is pretty much like every phone call we have when i start talking um no but tonight um, you know, when we started uh, this idea of doing interviews, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. we, I, I, this is a, this is a rehash and repeat. We never expected the type of folks that would actually be willing to sit down with us. Yep. Um, and tonight is no exception uh, for those that are Trek fans, mm-hmm. for those that um, follow Trek online, for those that follow Trek podcasts, we yeah. said, you'll hear it even later on we we aren't a trek podcast we we're trying not to be a trek yeah we're trying not to be we are a we are a our cerebral slash rpg slash sci-fi slash high fantasy slash whatever podcast but you have two two severe trek nerds on it so anytime Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. um we get a chance to talk with folks that are involved or friends with trek um you know, we get, we get giddy over it. Yep. And this is no exception because this is our first interview back again in a couple of weeks. Just yep. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. Everything going on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know what your, what your thoughts were. We, we, uh, we started following Lori Elster on Twitter. Yes. And um, <laughs> yes. got caught up, got caught up with her little Riker. Her posts. little Riker. Yeah. Which you'll yeah. hear us talk about um, a little later. We're going to talk with her about it, but she has such a diverse background. Um, she's involved now, obviously, um, you know, with trekmovie.com. Yep. She Great site. Yeah, she does the all-access Star Trek podcast. Yeah, which is a must-listen to if you are interested in Trek and Trek production at all. I would, and, and let's be honest, I would think, I would hope that most of our listeners, all five of you, yep. um, who listen to us our trek fans and already have that on your podcast players. yeah i mean we, but if you don't yeah. well kind of like when we if we go back a year kind of like when we spoke with uh with shelly Manzanoble, right who we will be having back in the future it, it, it's we're waiting on purpose with her but um we just assumed everybody was listening to dragon talk just like we assume our listeners are either into or minimally just aware and appreciate D, right like there are just some things we're taking for granted here and so if you haven't you should be listening uh to 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 Lori and tony on the all access podcast you should be you should be following her work 
Um, I can't explain why Little Riker is so funny, but it finally got to me. <laughs> it's, it's just it's the novelty of it. I think it's just it's it's a it's a icebreaker type of thing. It's different. Yeah. You know, you and I we've we've talked about this when we will talk about anything that would even be considered remotely Trek rumor. Yep. Um, yep. Even if it's remotely considered that, we mm-hmm. vet it against either mm-hmm. you know official Star Trek. You know, mm-hmm. .com or Star Trek mm-hmm. information or trekmovie.com because they're not going to, they're not sensationalizing. Yeah, news. it's it's legitimate editorial level news and review. It really, yeah. it really, yeah. And we don't have, and we, you know, we don't have a, a stake in the game in terms of anything. No. We're just being honest. We, we don't we, have yeah. sponsors or anything like that. We're just being honest with what we watch and yep. what we use and, and what we read. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean. Absolutely true. But I, you know, I think, I think it, it brings to mind just how the landscape has changed over these years. Um, and I'm not sure how many years, but how, how much has changed in terms of where we get our news. I don't mean we, you and me, but, but where, where society is getting its news, where it's getting its information, um, and I, I, I'm, I, I don't mean to to bring this down. I mean, it, it, let's just keep it maybe a little more optimistic or positive. Just in how the landscape has changed. I mean, I remember, I remember in grad school going to a cafe. Uh, uh, I would get right. Uh, I, I go to. I remember sitting at uh, at Schwartz's with a cup of coffee and yeah. right and um, and a pastry and. Uh, a copy of the financial times and i knew i had a couple hours i could just blow and i would just sit and i'd relax or or maybe it was i am not imdb ha that's that's where i'm going uh what i think investors business ibd investors business daily right um and uh and but now but now it's different now we're talking about okay where do we get a lot of news well um so like i i pay i finally I finally bit the bullet because I'm cheap and I pay to have access to the New York times. Right. I've been, I've been reading the times, I mean, for 20 years and oh, uh, more we, we've, we talked about that. In the 90s. Yeah. Right. Well, I hate to, Oh yeah. Good point. So at least, at least 20 90s, years. Yeah. 90s. I was going to say, cause I remember that became my homepage. Back in the day, that uh, the New York Times became my homepage on my browser when I moved to Milwaukee, right after college, and I mentioned that because because they it was beautiful. They were the only newspaper who had a website that looked good, right? It looked they 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 got it. They were way ahead graphically and visually. The Times had a website that well, at least the landing page looked like a paper. And so you could you could find what you wanted. It was comfortable, it was familiar, very well laid out. Didn't mean there weren't other good news sources out there, but that was it. Even though I get a ton of my news since then from the BBC, still you go to the Times, boom, it looks different, right? But it's still well, it's, on, days, it's online. That was the days of when it was a big deal for web companies as to what you made your homepage. So they made yeah. the term portal became a big deal. What's your web portal? Like mine right. was originally Alta Vista. And I was just going to say both yeah. as a search engine and as a homepage. Right. You know, then it was Google news 
you know, there's all sorts of. And at this point, we were both flying it at like 9,600 baud. And so we could How download we whatever. On this topic? I've totally forgotten. Oh, I'm okay. So I'm drifting us a bit here. But, no, no, that's okay. I just but, lost track of where but, we how we Yeah, so here. so no, that's fair. So because in and our we were in, running at 14.4, by the way. 14-4. You are correct. We were running at 14.4 the global by that point. village teleport gold. Oh my god, Brad. I, do I remember that? Oh my god, Brad. Nice. I don't, I don't. I, that's a Mac modem for those of you who are. Oh, that's yeah. Oh, that's that's a beautiful so. thing. So, so how we got here? This is this is my fault because um because in a moment we'll switch over to our our just a really enjoyable chat with Laurie Elster from based largely from TrekMovie.com at least in terms of the stuff that we've been talking about with her primarily and she's done so very very much more but we talked a lot about the site and about the the podcast her podcast and whatnot I bring this up because because I think about whether it's for Trek or D&D or or the news uh, the actual global news and I think how do I get my information today and it's either in a book or one of a few magazines or it's entirely online, right? Where do I go? I go to my trusted news sources, right? Uh, I might go to a handful of blogs, uh, like like I absolutely follow trekmovie.com. I put that in my blog folder because I know I can check it throughout the day and, and look for updates. So that, yeah, I, I drifted us over here, my friend, but but. It no, no, just, it's okay. It's it's that's what I like about the organic nature of our right. discussion. Because you know, it's, it's it's I literally we we talk about this. I'm st- I still got some some COVID some fog from right, and and, and, and I'm and like then, yeah. I'm like all of a sudden where did where did we how did we get here? I, I can't remember. And wait, wait, is that a dot matrix printer I hear in the background? Right. Oh yeah. I the, mean, like, how do we Smith Corona Daisy Wheel? Oh oh no so, no no Image Writer too, my friend. Image Writer too. Well, that wasn't. Oh, Image Writer was that. Oh yeah. No no no. What was yes. the laser one? We, laser oh, writer. we never, we never had that. We had the I image had the writer. little laser writer. Yep, ones. we had the image no, writer I, next to the two GS. Not the laser writer. What were the what were the ink ones? Image writer, the were Apple. Image it writers? was. Oh yeah, but those weren't those weren't dot matrix. Oh yeah, no. But what was the ink the inkjet version? Of, oh, I never had one of those. I did. <laughs> okay, now I'm, you're gonna hear oh, me. Oh, I don't. I don't know. You have to look that up. I don't. I don't I know. To, yeah, I didn't have I a printer for a few up. years during college. <laughs> I I I had it's in the I actually have yeah. one in my on of course my you do personal computer okay so anyways so, so this on. is this is yeah, yeah this is we've different but the, you know but the whole point is to look at where we are in terms of RPGs and RPG adjacent stuff through this middle age lens and and really I'm going to blame Lori because I mean in all fairness she brought up MTV. style writer style writer yes. Yes. Oh, sorry. Sorry for the interruption. Folks. No, that feels better. It. Right. Yeah. We had the, the image writer, the, oh man, I can't tell you how many signs we printed out as kids oh. and with my mom, uh, with print shop on the, the image. Writer. Did you ever use the newsroom on the Apple? Um, probably not. Boy, no, we've really gotten off. No, but path. I did a lot of papers in junior high on bank street writer. Oh Yeah. Okay, so yeah, we're we're or, we're drifting here. Spreadsheeting and multiplan. Never had or, to do that. Or Visicalc. No, well, but that okay. So we Lotus could even, one, two, three. Okay, let's keep. We going. could have an entire discussion on the influence of Visicalc on the personal computer, but 
Instead, yeah. if you're interested, hit us up on Twitter or email, and I can recommend several excellent books, especially, um, yeah, especially books like The Troublemakers by Heidi Berlin out of Stanford. Um, anyways, the the point not is your, not not anyone related to you. Oh, I never thought about that. Not 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 anyone related to me. If she's listening, okay. she's not. Not. Yeah. Um, um, uh, but anyways, but so, she might. Uh, she might if we tell her we mentioned her. But we didn't, and we won't. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No. No. None shall pass. Okay. Anyways. Okay. So yeah, we we've drifted a bit here, but because we ended up in our interview taking a bit of a walk down memory lane, when Lori was good enough to 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 share some of her backstory with us. Um, so, you know, at this point, before we really do get into VisiCalc, uh, let's hop over to our wonderful little interview with Lori Ulster, writer, producer, podcaster extraordinaire. Lori Ulster is a transplanted Canadian who somehow survived a very confusing adolescence as the lone female Star Trek fan in middle school, then fell in love with Manhattan about 10 minutes after her arrival at NYU. After many years as a television producer where networks like MTV had her producing everything from musician interviews and dive bars all over the East Village to game shows in Malaysia, she made the switch to digital, overseeing websites at Fuse and A&E. Now she's a freelance writer who does researched articles, original interviews, personal essays, listicles, event coverage, trending news, and much more. She also still writes and produces for TV and is a contributing writer on several books. Lori has indeed been a writer, editor, copy editor, and social media strategist for TrekMovie.com since 2016, where she also co-hosts the wonderful all-access Star Trek podcast. It's a passion project, along with popping up as a guest on other Star Trek and sci-fi podcasts. Importantly, Lori is also a co-founder of Read It All Up a media company focused on kids' literacy. They are currently collaborating on the creation of an original TV series for kids. Lori, thanks for joining us today. We really appreciate it. And we are we promise we are going to try to keep this to maybe three hours or so. Right. <laughs> so yeah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'll track all the time. Yeah, there's 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 so much we can we could talk about even beyond um, the stuff you're doing now. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, before we get into kind of your background and all that, um, there are those who listen to us, probably listen to you, too, with the all access Star Trek podcast on trekmovie.com, right? I hope so. Mm -hmm. yeah. If you're not, you should be. Yeah. Well, thanks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the the so, news and we'll analysis. Have that, is and we'll have a link to that in the show. Mm -hmm. too. Absolutely. So, Great. So maybe that's kind of the burning question, right? Like, how did you arrive? Like, what's the story? Because like Brad said, we want to know the backstory, but what's your Trek story and how did it get you to trekmovie.com and, and, and being part of this really neat, really popular podcast and, and all of these things? I mean, my, it's, my Trek story is old because I am the same, same age as Star Trek. <laughs> so we were both born the same year. Um, but I started watching original series as a kid in syndication and was like insane, obsessed, crazy, mm. reading all the books mm. that told me how it was made, 
just wanting to know everything. And oh. at that point, it was like dead, right? Like there was, yeah, we right. didn't get the animated series. I was, I grew up in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And so there was no animated series where I lived. Mm-hmm. And it was just, to me, it was just like this dead thing that I loved that everyone thought was weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was, mm-hmm. and then of course, you know, movies. I remember I got my mom's cousin took me out of school to see Star Trek, the motion picture on the first yes. day, wow. which was amazing. Yes. Um, and I told everybody where I was going, but you know, and then everything I've loved all of it since like it, everything that comes has been so exciting and great. And then I was still like, getting up to Trek movie, I guess, the yeah. website, yeah. which is that I was still sort of what I call a closeted Star Trek fan. Like my family knew, my friends knew, <laughs> my husband knew, but like at work, I didn't really talk. It wasn't something that came up a lot. And um, I was sitting at my at a job that was really boring and feeling like my career was not going in the right direction. And I was researching for the place I was working. We were doing a piece on Star Trek Beyond. And I mm-hmm. just found that every time I needed a story with the right, accurate details and updated information and context, yeah. I was on Trek movie. That was the thing. Okay. And mm-hmm. so I thought, well, I'm a freelance writer. So I emailed them to ask if they needed writers. And Kayla immediately wrote back and said, you know, we don't have money but we can give we can get you into events we can get you products that we review yeah you know we have and we can get you interviews if you want to do them so i very fortunately joined this incredible community of the most fantastic people like it's that's cool everybody on the team is a wonderful human everybody on the team is a huge star trek nerd everybody is in a different profession and does different things and contributes something different. And Tony, who founded Trek Movie, mm-hmm. was the one who suggested that we do a podcast together because he has always wanted to do, he wanted to do something with news, yeah. regular, yeah. especially once we had, you know, all these things up and brewing. And this mm-hmm. was after, like, I'd done After Trek and, right. you know, After Show and d- there were shows up and, you know, Discovery, I guess, had already been on. And then we started talking about what it could be. And at that point, we had not yet met in person, which we didn't until Vegas last year. So we've oh, been wow. recording for quite some time. Um, but it's so much fun. It's a ton of work. Mm-hmm. It's really, really fun and rewarding. And we love doing it. And I mean, he has to edit. So he has the bulk of the hard work right. on it for sure. Um, but it's a blast. We love it. And we've, and we've become such good friends. It it so. comes across in the in the dialogue, which is which is which is cool. But that's really interesting to hear that history because you wouldn't think that these two people you're listening to every week really didn't know each other up yeah, until that I mean, long ago. Well, during like when the pandemic hit, something Trek movie started doing was Sunday night zooms, and we would all pick a Star Trek episode oh, and just yeah. put it on. Everybody would cue it, you know, three, two, one, boom, and we would watch it together on Zoom, and we got to know nice. each other. That way, and I'd oh, met cool. some of them in yeah. different locations, and Tony and I talked on the phone and stuff. But yeah, it was definitely like when we met in person, it was almost anticlimactic because it was like we already. Mm-hmm. That's really nice. Yeah, I'll, I'll say positive side effects of a very negative. Yeah, situation. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Seriously, seriously. I will. I will say just to reiterate something we were discussing before we went on air for this 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 chat is that. Uh, I mean, we think the news and analysis you two provide on the podcast, it's just second 
to none. Uh, I mean, the news is really helpful, but the analysis, um, it's so insightful. And every once in a while, uh, like I've learned to I've learned to really listen to what the two of you are hypothesizing might be happening. And every once in a while, Tony will say something and it's like, that's fascinating. I don't know how he got there. He has a very unique insight into the history of Star Trek, the path that it's charting and the business too. Okay. Like, it's funny, like I've worked in TV, but never Mm -hmm. on the, you know, programming, decision-making business Mm -hmm. side of things. Mm -hmm. Um, But he just has this, I mean, he knows a lot of people and he hears a lot Mm -hmm. and he hears a lot off the record. So Mm -hmm. things Mm -hmm. he can't say, but, um, and he's really smart about those things. And then I like to combine that with a little like poking of him from time (laughs) to time, just to docile him. Um, But I'm always really interested in his point of view. And we do think very differently about things. So it helps sometimes that will approach something from completely different places. Okay. So I have to ask before we switch gears, like to talk about all the other interesting things you're doing. Speaking you could tell Jason's like giddy talking about this. Well, it's, it's, we, we, we joke on the podcast that we're not really a Star Trek podcast, but you know, we're not even trying not to be right now. Um, uh, But I got to ask this because it's so peculiar and fun. Um, So I'll poke at you for a sec. What's the deal? What's your deal with commander Riker? Oh, with Little Riker. With Little Riker. Yeah. Little Riker. Yeah. So we were in Vegas. And the, Vegas last year was my first big Star Trek convention. Like I'd been to mm. one in my 20s that was like some books and a couple of people on stage. But this mm. was like the first time I got to go to the big one. And I was just giddy running around. Mm. And the dealer's room, you know, they had they have those, a few of those talking action figures. And I had had a talking Picard years ago. I took it all over Europe and I photographed it like all over France and Spain and whatever and lost it year like someone st- I think someone took it off a oh, desk wow. of mine somewhere so it's gone so I saw the talking Riker and they were all very expensive and then there was one for 15 bucks so I bought it and then Tony took me to the store to buy batteries and we did this whole thing because I thought it's going to be dead and it worked and it made me so stupidly happy all the time that we all just started going nuts, photographing him all over Vegas. Like Kayla and I were like laughing so hard with Joe from Trek Movie and we're doing that hand sanitizer thing and we're screaming with laughter like it was so ridiculous. And then and when I got back to New York, I was like, well, there's no reason to stop posting Little Riker pictures. So I've been, so I would take him places in New York. My kids just roll their eyes every time I pull him out in public. And I do something. My yeah, kids yeah, get so right. mad and frustrated. And my husband just rolls his eyes. But we'll help. Like, we'll help a little. Mm-hmm. I went to Toronto. My sister-in-law's an artist. And then she would disappear with him for like an hour. And then I would look in my phone. All these photos would start coming in. <laughs> and she would be doing insane things with him and tiny little props. So he's just been, I might. And then it, in Vegas, he got to pose with actual Star Trek. Like we got Nicole DeBoer. You know, and and um, and Jane Brooke mm-hmm. and Anthony Rapp and Noah, of course, who's so such a good spirit. Hilarious. And Mary Chifo. So my goal is for Little Riker and Big Riker to. <laughs> That's my big ambition. I mean, I worked with Jonathan Frakes a couple times, but he certainly wouldn't be like, "I know you. Hi, bring your Little Riker over." So I have right. to figure out how to make that happen. 
Right. We got to help. We got to help. We got to help on our end with the Twitterverse. Just start to retweet little Riker. Stuff. Well, I don't want to like scare him too much. So it's yeah. like it really is. Doesn't have to be a scary thing, but just yeah. a picture of the two of them together. You you can retire be, and call it a day. I'd be so happy. Yeah. I will say when when I started seeing you post, so, so everybody, if you're not following Laurie on Twitter, just for little Riker, you really should be. I I would I I'm I'm, I'm kind of being serious here because I I saw some of the early ones and I'm like, what is the deal with the I I mean now I say this as someone full disclosure who regularly forgets that we've had a Picard action figure in my living room for maybe now the better part of a decade. I don't remember who gave it to me. And then one of the girls were little, my girls were little, someone just said it's like stood it somewhere by a plant and we just forgot. And so he's like made his way around our plants and our, I don't, I can't tell you where he is. I can just tell you, I think he's in the living room. It's just, we don't notice anymore. But at a certain point on your Twitter feed, I found myself, I had shifted from seriously, what's the deal to, I was starting to laugh because of the things he was doing. And I'm like, okay, now I'm in now. I've, yeah, I've given up. Yeah. He gets around. Look, he got to sit on Stephen Colbert's desk. That was a really big moment for me. <laughs> well, well, that, I mean, I, I think Jason, when you and I first saw that, I think we thought, well, we can't steal the thunder anymore, but I think we need a little mascot for the show. That yeah, I think everybody should have a little mascot. I mean, it's something I used to do, like I said, with my Picard action figure. I certainly didn't invent it. Tons of people do it, but it just became this... Mm-hmm. Thing that got so silly and sometimes I'm just sitting in my office working and I just get up and make a little breaker scenario and then <laughs> photograph it and then three hours later it's the end of the day <laughs> it's just little, so little Riker replaces George Clooney as the Nespresso <laughs> inevitably someone back. walks in and goes what are you doing <laughs> nothing, nothing. <laughs> so I mean, you know <laughs> so so on that note though you've I mean we could obviously all talk Trek all evening easily, but you've done a ton of different stuff. I mean, just to refresh ourselves, Brad and I were, we were just flipping through the your website beforehand, just to kind of reacquaint. You have written and or produced, I mean, just all over the place. You've done some really interesting things. I've had a couple of careers at the same, that weave in and out of each other. And I've definitely gotten to, I mean, for me, the dream job of a lifetime that I will, I don't see how I'll ever repeat the glory of was after Trek. Like when you take decades of loving Star Trek and then a couple of decades of working in TV yeah, and then getting hired to do an official Star Trek after show for the first show back after, you know, a lot of years that was, I mean, I thought it would be the greatest job ever. And it was, it was the greatest job ever. And that was a good show. It was so much fun to do. And everyone on it was a phenomenal A plus human being. Like it was great. Wow. Wow. How did you end up? So, so, you know, you had mentioned you're a trans, you're a transplant. I air quote from Canada to New York, obviously went to school there. Um, How did that transition into you working, you know, as a producer and a writer, um, just TV in general. TV in general, yeah. yeah. I mean, first of all, no one at NYU ever said, by the way, you should move to LA, which actually would have been helpful career-wise. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm sure now they are saying to people, they're giving people like practical, I was majored in dramatic writing, and 
no one ever said, oh, if you want to write for TV, you should go to Los Angeles. So, yeah. Anyway, so here I was in New York. But I just started, it's like my first job out of school was through a former internship and it was a PA job. And I loved production. I was like, this is, you can go to work, but you're still playing. And even when you're working really hard, it's not corporate. It's fun. You, right. There's a whole team. And as a PA, you get to work in every department. So you get to actually learn how a whole bunch of different things, you learn to avoid, you learn, oh, if I volunteer for this job, then I won't have to do that job. Mm-hmm. And people see me as someone who volunteers, which really if, to anyone who ever wants to start out as a production assistant, like yeah. be eager to do stuff and everybody will be happy to have you around. So I just worked my way up through production and had the writing put aside. And then I had, I'll do the fast version. Then I had kids oh, way. and I couldn't do, I was like, I can't work these hours and be right. the mom that I personally yeah. would like to be. And mm-hmm. I was very fortunate. Someone who believed in me and wanted me to work at the same company um, moved me into digital at the beginning, the dawn of like soon all the networks would have websites. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Like okay. it was really like yeah. before people, it was like ABC had a really cool, had the coolest website back then mm-hmm. because they had a video so that allowed me to so then I've eventually like moving all these parts around for a couple of years I yeah. realized I've been a writer my whole life I'm not writing and I found a way that every time I was unsatisfied with my career I would take up a bunch of side projects until I mm. found where I wanted to go and then I luckily got pulled back into TV and got to do some cool projects there. Mm-hmm. But then I've always been writing and pitching and writing and I've gotten mm-hmm. to it. And I've now got a couple of books that are going to have my name on them, which is exciting. And um, I just yeah. feel like it's lucky for me that I still get to do new things and I still have a lot of new things that I want to do. Can, can you say any more about those books? Well, I am, I mean, I'm co-writer uh-huh. on the official companion guide to Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which is coming out. They just delayed it, but it's coming out next year. Okay. Um, and then there are a couple out, like there's a book called, um, I'm looking at my shelf to see it. Oh, What to Watch <laughs> When, A Thousand TV Shows for Every Mood and Moment. I was a yeah. collaborator, you know, one of the yeah. writers on that. There's Neat. another one I can't talk about, but it's it's a fun, practical book based on a on an IP, like a manga. Mm-hmm. But I can't say what okay. it is until they Neat. that. And then a teen parenting thing, because, you know, I got teens and stuff. <laughs> Any secrets you want to share? Uh, just go there. I write about teens a lot um, to my kids. They're cool about it. And I yeah. don't put their names in or my name yeah, if there's course. an issue. But there's a lot yeah. of stuff with my name that's fine. And they're fine with. So That's really sweet. I'm, I'm going to, I'm always the one that tends to, do hard lefts or hard right turns when we go do for interviews it. but just talking about teens and everything like that you also are co-founder of read it all up yeah yes yes so this is my friend my brilliant the, the person who helped me get a career in digital from you know when i left to have kids and came yeah. she's the one who pulled me back in brilliant woman and she started this uh, she started read it all up as a way a program in schools to get kids interested in reading through a food, through a taste experience. And we picked out all these books that had food in them oh. and would provide the food for kids so that they would get much more interested in the reading experience. Interesting, yeah. Which, you know, is discouraged. A lot of kids are told like, don't eat near, you know, in the library yeah. or whatever. But yeah. 
I was never told that. Anyway, so we've been, she's been working very diligently on that. I worked with her on that for a while and she's pursued it. And, and then with our, with another friend um, who I call Miff, but her name is Leanne, but I call her Miff. Um, we joined up and we've been actually working on creating a kids show that has yeah. to do with reading. And we are about, we're just about to get our final pitch materials together. Wow. We've been working on it for a really, really long time. Um, and so I can't really anything about it right right um and nobody might care. i mean if nobody ever buys it then nobody ever buys it but it is something that's you know really dear to all of our hearts and we work really hard on it we're just almost at the point of putting together our final that's really it has cool. to do with with kids and reading and ways of getting kids interested in reading who aren't interested yes that's really cool Wow. Yeah, I do. When I when I saw that was that was something I thought was important. You mentioned just because, especially, um, you know, these days, and I have two teenagers too. It's just they don't soak books up like we did. No. Um, and you know, we're we we were born just a little bit after Trek, um, but we're all of us are from the book generation. You know, go to a library or buy books at Walden Books or whatever the case might be. Barnes mm-hmm. and Noble. Um, mm-hmm. Now a lot of it's digital and online, and it's and and I'm not knocking it. It's a it's a multi visual environment. But um, when my daughter would go and buy a book to take on a trip, I was just I was happy about it. So yeah, having kids, mm-hmm. you know, and getting that into their DNA and into their to their own personal ecosystem I think is important it's hard and it's you know when I grew up like we had a room full of books and nobody ever said go read those books I just went in and I read every book and I went to my school library and I read every book like everything Mm. um and so I have always wanted to live in a house with tons of bookshelves and now I have this whole office full of books and that almost nobody but me ever is interested in Mm -hmm. so I mean my Mm -hmm. oldest reads but has pretty different taste um, my youngest reads a little bit, but not so much. But I mean, I hope, you know, I'm glad we have, I'm not an audio book aficionado, but yeah, my husband is and so many people are, and it's the same experience. Like there's no, it's just as magical and wonderful. And I think reading is all about empathy and putting yourself in someone else's shoes and actually seeing, you see through the eyes, like it's not, you see a story, but you're actually seeing through different people's eyes. And that to me is the most important element. Yeah. of reading and so you get that with an audiobook as well well and i think uh, i mean not to get even more geeky but i think the research supports that 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 reading fiction can promote empathy I yeah mean, I we, think, we, yes. we know I this happens yeah especially in kids right yeah so it's really really important and think about all the stuff you read as a kid that you remember forever like that a lot of that just never leaves you Sci-fi and nonfiction, but I, I remember a lot of books. Yeah, <laughs> Jason's a, you're a little bit one tracked when it comes to reading, so or whatever, right? Yeah, but it, yeah, it, 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 this is this is very true. Although I did recently, I, willingly, I'm raz, I'm raz, but it's true. I mean, we've been friends for thirty years, but it's yeah. true. I mean, we it's it's. I did read some fantasy lately and was really surprised at how good it was. But in all fairness, it was an R.A. Salvatore, and so I kind of dipped into the good stuff, you know? Um, yeah. To the D and D world. To the D and D world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When yeah. you, um, 
again, I'm, I'm, I'm the person that comes out with all these questions and there's no flow to them or anything like that. Um, when you were doing more of your producing and all that, and again, yeah. I'm not trying to, to narrow it down. What about that? And you kind of alluded to it a little bit, so maybe I'm just asking for a little drill down. What about it really kind of drew you to? Was it, like you said, was it, you kind of mentioned it was still like you, you felt like you were playing. Yes. I mean, even when we were working, you're playing. Well, it's very collaborative, which is like the opposite of what I do now where I'm sitting in my house, copy editing a lot, but, um, and writing and writing, which is a very solitary thing, but you, there are groups of people. And of course, when, you know, when you, especially when you start out, it's a bunch of people in your age group too, which is fun. And then eventually start meeting people from all different age groups. There's so much to learn. I always loved TV and celebrities and, you know, I worked at MTV and did game shows. Like that was so much fun, <laughs> even when it was stressful and crazy and you'd get promoted, you'd have more responsibility, more headaches. You'd have to worry about everything. And still there was so much fun to be had and you could work with people that you genuinely liked hanging out, you wanted to hang out with anyway. Yeah. And then you'd get to some, whether you were like working on something where you got to interview someone or a fun game show or you're off doing shoots in the fields, like whatever it is, it's, 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 it's a lot of fun. It's way better than other jobs that I can think yeah. of, yeah. you know, like it's, and I was never a corporate person. And when I was working yeah. in digital, that was very corporate. And yeah. as I moved up that ladder, I realized this is not the place for me. Mm -hmm. This is mm -hmm. I'm a, I'd, I want to work in content That's and not cool. distribution, and so mm -hmm. I managed to find my way back eventually. So, so, so go ahead, Brad. Sorry, because I, I was going to say I'm a I, I have to ask I'm a first generation MTV or so. What were you involved? <laughs> yeah, in yes. Well, my big show was Lip Service. If you ever watched Lip Service, <clears throat> which is so funny because the host was John Ailes, who ended up being on Star Trek Picard. Right. Oh wow. He played uh, Bruce Maddox on Star Trek. Picard. Yes, thank you. Yeah, but I so he was our host for three out of four seasons. Jeez. Um, he was great to work with, actually. And I text like I found him on Twitter right after Picard. I was like, John, oh my god. Um, but uh, lip service was my big one, and I worked like in development. Like, here's a funny one. You'll like this little weird, not braggy, not braggy story. Yeah, yeah. I had to screen the first episode of season two real world with the cast for the oh. cast of season one real world. Like See, take them real, into a I conference a room. Junkie. Yeah. Yeah. I took them into a conference room and I was like, here's season two and I'll show it to you. And then I showed it to them. <laughs> so that's probably like a little historical moment. Yeah. I, so I, I don't know why this came up, but just in the past weeks, I don't, I don't know where I saw something about MTV, but something came up and I found myself, right? Because my daughters are, at least for a few more months, well, one and a few respectively, they're still 14 and 16. And so I, in a moment one evening, found myself explaining to one or both of them, what's MTV? Yeah, well, and, it's time has come and gone, really. Yeah, I and I mean, and I, I was never a watcher. Like I remember, like Brad said, we're first gen for MTV. That they were, we were on the young, young end of you know their initial audience. But like I remember, in I remember whatever it was. I think <clears throat> toward the end of elementary school, like I forced myself one Sunday morning at home to watch MTV for an entire day. <clears throat> I don't even know if I ever said that to you, Rand, um, because everybody did it. 
and I didn't get it. I didn't see the allure, right? Like I listened to music. And um, and besides, what's a what's a music video, anyways? I mean, it's you know, and so I did it's it. It's funny how you were probably 12, but you sound like 75 right now. <laughs> I was I was probably 10, but I sound 75 right yeah, now. Yeah. And I did it. And so and, and then I was like, okay, so I got my fill on that. Uh, but of course, you know, you you but you still you heard about the news, you knew who the people were. Like this was early, early days. So I'm sitting with one or both of my girls, and and they're like, what's MTV? And, you know, honestly, I was completely stumped. I had no idea how to explain this iconic piece of my generation's history because they just were, I didn't even know where to start. It's, it's like, well, let me tell you about how the world was in the before times. I right. just didn't even know how to, I'm like, I, it, it was a thing when I was a kid. That was like, the, it, I, it was a total father failure. Yeah, I, well, first of all, I also didn't watch or get MTV. Like, I wasn't into it when I got hired to work there. So that yeah. was the funny part was I was utterly clueless about everything. But um, I recently was talking to my kids about someone. Oh, it was actually right after Nichelle Nichols died. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, I have a photo. I have an autographed picture of her, but I didn't get it myself. One of the VJs at Fuse, where I worked, got it for me. And they both said, what's a VJ? Right. Oh, and I yeah. said, oh, a video jockey, like a disc jockey, but with videos. And they said, there was a, a place where people did that. And I was like, yes, there were, there were quite a few. And they employed <laughs> me for quite some time. <laughs> That's so, awesome. Yeah, no MTV street cred in my house. No, no, well, again, it's a generational thing. It's, yeah. Yeah. I was, you know, Jace, we were, you know, Real World came out right at the time that it would have been prime for us because they were all. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Adults. So I was. Yeah. I was hooked and then my wife was hooked when we got together. And then we kind of, you know, early part of last, early part of 2000s is when it was out. But season one, I remember very well, um, even season two. So that's actually cool. And then I had to, I had to peek. Yeah, Jay Moore did lift service as well. I remember. Yes, yes. he was not so pleasant to work with. That's what I've mm. heard. Yeah, he so. was. I have no trouble saying that. He was just not pleasant to work with. He yeah. was quite full of himself and mm -hmm. not fun. And then John came along and John made it his own and got playful and did fun things. And yeah. I mean, it's so funny when you watch a game show, what that the host of a game show, once the camera's on and the game starts, the host is in charge of everything. Like you can have producers and directors and voices and people telling you what to do. Yeah. But once it's going and because game shows, if there are prizes there, you have to play it out. Like yeah. you can't yeah. stop and start. Um, the host controls wow. everything. And I just, I always thought John did an amazing job of that. Oh, that's and then he popped up as, and then he popped up in Picard. And that's so cool. Yeah. And then after I summoned Picard, I realized how many other shows he'd been in that I hadn't no, noticed it was him. Cause he's changed the, you know, he doesn't look the same and you know, it's, yeah. and it's been a long time and I, but he was on better things, which I love that show and did not realize mm. that he was on mm. that Wow. So to be mindful of your time, Lori, and, and to come full circle again, so I'll pull a Brad here, going back to the All Access podcast, right? Because yeah. that's, I mean, that's how we, that's how, like, we first became exposed to you and your work, because, you know, we were hearing you. I mean, I, I'm listening to you, you and Tony every, every week. Um, I'm wondering if you, what, what you're comfortable saying on air as it were, I know we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, but lately... Lately, and so by the time this episode drops, so when I say lately, like kind of the past couple of months, I mean, you guys have been having some really cool high-level interviews 
with with producers, showrunners. I mean, I don't know how you guys are doing it, but you're pulling in the true creators of today's Trek. That's who we really wanted to. I mean, it's always so much fun to have the actors on. Yeah. Um, I will never not be thrilled to have an actor on. But it was such a, we really wanted showrunners and we knew there was a gap with, you know, um, what just ended? I'm like, hello, Strange New World's ending mm-hmm. and Lower Decks starting. And mm-hmm. Tony has great relationships with all these people yeah. because he's dealing with them all the time. And yeah. Um, and so first we got Aaron Walke and Prodigy. I love, I'm yes. deeply, deeply mm-hmm. in love with Prodigy. Mm-hmm. It's been a huge inspiration to me as I'm working on the show that I'm trying to develop. Mm-hmm. But it's also, I just think it's, it's everything that Star Trek is, and it's yeah. surprising and wondrous. Yeah. Um, and then, so that was really great. And Aaron was incredible. And every time we were worried about time, he'd be like, oh, I'm good. So that was good. And then we just, uh, this is fine to talk about, we just spoke to Terry Metalis, showrunner of Star Trek Picard so, season three. Yeah. Um, and he gave us so much time, answered so many questions, so much insights. We could have, We could have kept going. In fact, I think we ended up, continuing the conversation after we stopped recording and then the only reason it ended is his he got cut off like technology got him off oh wow and otherwise we'd still be talking right now so and that was days ago but he was fantastic so people can look forward to that well i think we're going to break it up into two yeah. i say when i say we i mean tony <laughs> anthony <laughs> will be the one <laughs> doing the work of breaking it up into two yeah. um, so that we can still do news and our bits that we do at the end and those things. And then, yeah. But I think people will be, I think there's great, there's new information about season three that people don't know that they'll be happy to hear. And mm-hmm. I think when you hear his genuine enthusiasm mm-hmm. for what he's been doing, mm-hmm. whatever you thought of the first two seasons, don't mm-hmm. worry about it. I feel like this, I, I mean, I feel like this is going to be very different and something we all have wanted. Okay, so uh, you don't have to you don't have to answer this, but I do have a follow-up question to that in terms of your impression of some of these shows. Cuz like on your podcast when we listen, like I mean, you're excited about everything in the well, in the yeah. in the best way. I mean, yeah, yeah, right? But but I'm curious. I mean, you just you know, you make clear what you think in terms of prodigy and and I have to agree that really surprised me. Um, yeah, right? So, yeah, I thought it, it would like I thought it was a kid's show I'll probably just watch it and yeah. be amused by it. But by the end of the season or half season or however they're doing it, it's it's like I'm all into the story. Yeah. And and like you said they are using it to build Trek from the ground up and it's just beautiful. It's more than an homage, it's a lesson, right? Yeah. On how to Trek. But I'm cur- I'm curious what you think about Picard and Strange New World so far. Uh, Picard has been so, I, I mean, we've been, I think, pretty honest about Picard mm-hmm. on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I found season two incredibly disappointing. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. season one was like a mixed bag, some interesting ideas, some yeah. that didn't work. I like the idea of exploring who he is. There's There was some stuff mixed in there, and then it just started to not quite yep. gel. The end didn't okay. come together. Uh-huh. And then season two started so strong. So strong. And so mm-hmm. great. And then I just thought, and we said a lot on the podcast, like time after time after time, threads, loose threads just falling and being yeah. left and things that didn't really connect and and big stories that at the end, you're like, I still don't understand why you had to do this to do that. Mm-hmm. 
Um, mm-hmm. And like small things in the middle, always to appreciate like, oh, this moment is really good. And the scene is very mm-hmm. good. And mm-hmm. the acting is always very good. And mm-hmm. whatever it is. And I love certain characters. Mm-hmm. But it was just a big disappointment. And I felt like, frankly, the big idea they were trying to do never came together for me. It just mm-hmm. didn't. I didn't buy it. It didn't. Yeah. It didn't connect yeah. and it didn't make sense. The plot didn't go with that for me yeah. at all. How about Strange New Worlds? So, but Strange New Worlds, and I just, for the record, Picard, yeah. I'm so excited for season three. Like I'm- Oh, like unhealthily so. Open heart, yeah. ready, yeah. let's do it. Only yeah. worried that it might be too, I'm not even worried anymore. Anything I was worried about, I'm not worried about. Mm. Uh, Strange New Worlds, I think, fantastic characters, mm. great setting. Mm. I think when they are- at their best, they don't rely on, let's bring up this character from the original series. Let's bring mm-hmm. up this thing from the original series. I'm really, you know, everyone who knows me and Star Trek knows I'm very mad about the Gorn. I'm very unhappy with the Gorn. <laughs> <laughs> just, just the fact that they're using it like they are. Well, it's, Here's what it is. First of all, I never thought Arena was a great episode in terms of its, the directing and the writing are not good in Arena. Frankly, it's not a well done episode. The the premise is terrific. Yep. And the premise is this alien that is, that looks ugly and terrifying to you Mm -hmm. that you think is so different, Mm -hmm. that you think is your enemy, that if you try to understand your enemy, it is possible to end hostility. Or right. at least have a starting point. Right. And the whole point was, I mean, yes, like they did, they send this distress call to lure them in and kill them. Like that's, the Gorn did that. That was mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. bad after wiping out a colony. But it does become this thing of, wow, we're, now I'm seeing things through your eyes. And that beautiful moment where Kirk goes, oh, I, you could see it that way. And right away, Spock and McCoy are on that bridge. And they're like, yeah, you know what? If they did, we could be seen as invaders. And instantly because they're Starfleet and who they are, mm-hmm. nerd. But that's why they're able to make that switch so quickly. They don't need tons yeah. of convincing. They're immediately open to that. So when you take that, so there are two things about the Gorn. One, you now take that enemy and you make them just vicious and uh-huh. cruel mm-hmm. to the point they're not doing those things because they think someone invaded them you don't grab humans and keep a colony of them and put your eggs in them and kill them off one by one you know they're cruel vicious beasts mm-hmm. which is a kind of poops all over arena frankly <laughs> and b mm-hmm. to me the kind of sci-fi i like is yeah. not monsters because monsters yeah, right. Right. to me are not super interesting because yeah there's no nuance yeah. Like, like, I know everyone loves Alien and those movies. To me, there's a little bits of interesting things with characters, but an alien that's just physically trying to kill yeah, people right. is not right. my thing. So, yeah. right. And so I feel like that's what they've done with the Gorn, is that they've taken yeah, away the thing that was important mm-hmm. about them, and they've just turned them into killer monsters that are mm-hmm. particularly, you know, vicious. And mm-hmm. somehow we know they fly spaceships and must give orders and stuff so mm-hmm. you know if they moved into that really quickly i might be more open but i feel like the prevailing thought was the gorn are cool i liked the gorn when i was a kid i'm gonna make the gorn in the show that's what it feels like to me yeah fair enough but i love the show i'm enjoying so much of it i think yeah. the characters are great the interactions between them are great some of yeah. the stories have been wonderful yeah and the risk i do appreciate the risk taking 
whether mm-hmm. it pays off or not. But I mm-hmm. want to be like, stay out of, you don't need these things from the other show. You could just move forward. Yeah. You have yeah. all the ingredients to move forward into very original territory. You mm-hmm. have the writers, the directors, mm-hmm. and the actors already all talented. Production yeah. designers, like you can't oh you my know, God. believe it. Yeah. Costumes make it, you have every ingredient. So just do something. I want strange and new worlds, please. You, do you think that they're, no. that they need to, they feel like they need to pay homage just for those of us who are longtime Trek fans? There's, there's a, there's a feeling that we need to see that. I'm with you. I think fresh and different and new is is the way to go. And I think it attracts a different audience too. Right. They don't feel like they have to know. It's a great entry point. That show, if you've never watched Star Trek, that would be yep. a great one to watch. Yep. It's, really, it's fun and they have most of the, the principles and you know they've got it down. So I don't, you know, look, there are fans who love that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's not for me mm-hmm. to say like, it's wrong, don't do that. When there are a ton of people out there who, if you threw a triple in there, while well, I'd be complaining, they'd be thrilled. So, <laughs> right. you know, like, so what, who am I to say that? But I think that it's just a certain creative who's everyone's thing that they love about Star Trek is different. Yeah. And I think yeah. someone's thing that they love about Star mm-hmm. Trek isn't the same thing that I love about it. But yeah, fortunately, totally there's fair. enough crossover that we still have yeah. these great, unique characters. Yeah. And obviously, because the shows are being made now, they're, they are progressive in a great new and wonderful way. Mm-hmm. And I like mm-hmm. that. I like that different approach and yeah. playing with being very playful with people's roles and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So agree. So agree. I, yeah. I, yeah, I, 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 before I go, yeah, I think yeah. you're absolutely right. I, no, but there's no right or wrong answer. Right. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I loved the DS9 episode when they went back to. Me too. <gasps> yeah. That yeah. was. That was a Trials special and episode. No, that's mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. It's one episode. Right. And they didn't actually recreate it. They actually just exactly. went, they literally went back yeah. <laughs> into it. Yep. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but I that's a love letter. That's, yeah, yeah, exactly. I loved, yeah. I loved that, especially when Cisco at the end did the, the, the little Kirk communication. And he's like, yeah, I might have bent the rule a little bit. Yeah. So. No. And you know what? Like, I liked seeing mud on Discovery. Like, oh, I thought, yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought that was actually great. Like there's yeah. so it's, and I actually on discovery, I love what they've done with say Amanda. I mean, she hasn't been on for a couple of seasons, mm-hmm. but I, I, and obviously can't be on. I'm hoping she'll turn up on strange new worlds, but like talk about taking a character like that and giving her so much more. Yeah. You know, that's, yeah. so there are ways to do it that are really good and to make connections. I was never mad about Michael being Spock's sister. I'm like, all right, sure. So, you know, I'll try it. I'm open to that. So yeah. it just depends on what it is. But it's when it feels to me like it's relying on it, especially I sometimes think at the expense of the characters they have. Like, yeah. you know, I'm I'm very nervous about the Kirk thing. In I was World. I was going to bring that. I, I've decided to put my full faith and credit in the writers of Strange New Worlds. So I I'm it's it's a little risky. I'm I, I don't know. You're not helping. I it's, it's been so it's been so beautifully written that whole first season and like if it's like he's in three or four episodes of the quote-unquote arc I could see how they can do this tie it to canon I just I'm truly concerned that they're going to take a beautiful thing and it's going to become the Pike Kirk show 
at which point it's not it's not strange it's not it, anson mount is doing i mean i never thought anyone would come close to picard for me and come close to patrick stewart as picard for me but he immediately after that season became a close second like like this is someone worthy of that captain's chair and to not keep focusing on that i think would be a real loss yeah i mean and i think the rest of the group i mean already like mm-hmm. number one's been missing she's constantly just being shuttled off, yeah and yeah. we don't get to see her very much yeah. and i know everyone is excited about what they get to do i mean they're all giving interviews saying they're excited about doing yeah. new stuff but again i want to say like i don't need to bring necessarily i'd be happy if we didn't go down that road um but i'm i'm definitely there's no majority i think everybody yeah, right. feels differently about it and right. so i can only say what my opinion is and what i think of it but some of the episodes have been great and the main thing is like when you sit back and watch it is it enjoyable and god yes like <laughs> mm-hmm. you know it really really is mm-hmm. thank you so much for spending so much time with us this evening we so really sure. appreciate it. We've really been looking forward to our chat with you. It's so nice of you guys to invite me on. Like it's so flattering and kind. Oh, so thank no, you. And, oh, thank you, and and thank you, and and our our thanks to Tony as well. Please keep up with all access because God is that a, a fun podcast? I mean, I don't know what like my the highest compliment I can give is my immersion in Trek, my Trekdom, that that important piece of my life, which kind of like you, the Trek adjacent stuff uh, has become like an actual professional piece lately, but the, your podcast has become like a significant minority of that experience right now. Because I know I go from week to week with, okay, what's the analysis? And what's that going to make me think about and reconsider, whether it's the franchise, whether it's the stories, whether it's the characters, and also remembering to be critical of it along the way. But in a hopefully in a fun way, like we try not to just rip anything apart. And it's all, you know, Trek movie is where we're obviously the stories are either being churned out by by Anthony or by mm-hmm. us and all the different people on the team. Mm-hmm. And that's also such a labor. Like if you want to keep up with Star Trek stuff, yeah. I just sound like I'm doing a plug, but I'm just going to do it. Um, yeah, <laughs> like, please. like go to that site because we don't, we don't come up with stupid rumor things. Yep. We source things. We check to make sure that this is actually the thing that's true before we mm-hmm. put it up there. Mm-hmm. We also theorize, contextualize, analyze, yeah. We love doing the speculation articles like, oh, they said we're going to see someone from this show. And then we just try to guess at who it could be and have fun. And I've gotten to do so many huge interviews because of that site, like being able to Mm -hmm. talk to Bates McFadden and Kate Mulgrew and and Nana Visitor blew my mind when we talked about her book. And so looking forward to that. All those. Yeah, well, it was on here. Wasn't it on Hero Collector? It was through there. I didn't know that. Yes, her book well, was, I believe, through them. That so sucks a little. I think she's okay. got to shop it around now, actually. Okay. Um, okay. But because she'd done so much work for it. And yeah. it was, uh, she's such an incredible person. But all those interviews that we've gotten to do yeah. have been amazing. Um, there are too many to even less. So that's yeah. been a, you can always find interviews. Anthony's doing interviews all the time. And, and, great like review if you want to know if something's worth buying like we have reviews we have everything so yeah that's really yeah. where the podcast comes from yeah is that yeah thank you for bringing that up because we have we haven't talked much at all about the website but 
but it is the de facto stop. I mean, before I encountered trekmovie.com, I was reading a bunch of the, we both were a bunch of the other sites. And there are some pretty good sites out there, but yeah, there are some good ones. But but then you get to trekmovie.com and like it's legitimate news. There's a yes. different editorial level and none of the other ones have it. I eventually just deleted all the other bookmarks because it's like, this is good. This is you. You know, it's been vetted. You know, it's been thought through. And like you said, when it's conjecture, you guys say, look, here's what we think. Right. right. And we'll say, and when you're wrong, you hold yourselves accountable to it. Well, there's, and, there's sensational material out there. I know, you know, on your phone or whatever, you can get feeds and feeds mm-hmm. will pop up and, and throw rumors out there, rumors about films, rumors about series. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I'm not I'm not trying to show for anyone, but it's where I go to mm-hmm. see if it's legitimate or not. If it hasn't mm-hmm. been written about yet, then at most it's an iffy thing and I'll put it up yeah, exactly. and see if it shows yeah. up. Um, you know, because you're not necessarily going to throw material out there for the sake of throwing material out there, which right. is what... A lot of people want to get that going, and a lot of people like that. For me, I'd much rather stick mm-hmm. to what I know is coming, um, mm-hmm. or what's like you said, reviews of books and things like that. So, mm-hmm. I don't know how many times Jason, you and I have used it when we've prepped for mm-hmm. even podcasts. Or he and I sit on the phone and not talk for Trek for hours, and we'll actually reference it while we're on. Oh, oh that's great. Oh, oh, yeah. Without well, it's like like I mean, a case in point in in terms of what you're saying, Lori. I think. Like before we started recording, we were talking a little bit about it's maybe not a leak, like LeVar Burton's slip, if you will, yeah. recently. And it's like one of the I saw somehow got into the Twitter feed. I or no, it must have been I don't know Facebook. I don't know, but I saw a, a a quote unquote news article from one of the other track sites out there, and you know, I mean, it was what it was, and it was maybe the you know hours later that. Trek movie had their take on it, but you know, n- no hyperbole, so clearly sourced. Like, okay, here's what was actually said, right? Here was the context, here was the place. It's like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Well, it's like, here's the big one was the recent Sh- Shatner comment where that happened at Comic Con, and oh. like the Hollywood reporter like misrepresented what he said and then everybody ran with their interpretation and and you have to context these things like he was standing i wasn't there but tony Mm and he was there yeah um and he was joking or he was joking like i'm gonna die on stage who's making jokes like that and so it was like he did half an answer to something got distracted was making jokes and then it turned into he thinks that all the new shows are bad and in the meantime he's like posing with paul wesley right (laughs) taking pictures with him and look william shatner says great things and terrible things he sometimes says really bad things he often says eloquent beautiful i'm a huge fan so you know he has his bad moments and his good but something like that where everybody just ran with it and i feel like one thing we try to do is like let's slow down instead of rushing let's find out let's get the whole story and try to context it and you know i tease anthony sometimes about over contexting where i'm like no everybody knows there's a show called star trek like you don't (laughs) have to say that in there but he's very smart about making sure that he's painting the proper picture of when this thing was said and why it was said and what it was in response Mm -hmm. to because when alex kurtzman gives a piece of information Mm -hmm. how he chooses to give it is very telling that's right 
right? Yeah. How yeah. did he deliver yeah. that? Did he was it answering a question? Was it clearly an an item he wanted to talk about? But was it something he tried not to talk about? So yeah. I think that's part of it too. And I also look, there are other sites that are also doing a good job, but like every kind of website there is now about everything, politics, entertainment, books, yeah. doesn't matter. Yep. It's all about a, a clicky headline and they don't care what happens right. once you get there. So they just mm. need that click. And then you get there and 500 ads cover up all the stuff that you're reading. Mm. And you're like, okay, this is not, this is not a good no. No, trekmovie.com, everybody should be reading it. It really, it's just so solid. Lori, thank you so much. This was a real pleasure. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Such a cool discussion. Lori, thanks again for um, coming and chatting with us and not just about Trek, um, you know, but your experiences working in television and everything like that. And again, folks, trekmovie.com. Um, all access Trek podcast. Um, if you're if you're a Trek fan, you already are listening and using. If you are not, um, get with it. Got it. Yeah, got to do it. Got to do it. So, heading over to the GM corner. So, what has been? So it's been a couple of weeks, like I said at the beginning, since you and I have since we've geeked out about this stuff. Yeah, and mm -hmm. and I'll be honest. We'll talk. I'll 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 go second. Because some oh, of no. this stuff has been outside the realm of, of RPGs. But um, what's been, what have you been up to? Obviously, you've been recovering from being a bit under the weather and doing some traveling. And um, yeah, um, what's what's on my desk, as it were? Um, you know, honestly, one of the things, and I'm going to keep this brief, but one of the things that's been on my mind, and and it comes to mind again because um, Lori brought it up regarding the now visitors book. Uh, so now by the time this, by the time this episode drops, perhaps there will be more news. I know I just saw an update from one of the, the people from uh, hero collector from Eagle Moss today on Twitter uh, explaining a little more, but uh, as many of our listeners probably know, uh, Eagle Moss, uh, the company who makes all the hero collector stuff, but but why I care is because they have been attempting for several years now to document in book form every starship in all of Star Trek canon. Um, as of the moment, again, unless something has slipped under the radar between this recording and the episode dropping, um, they are currently, it seems, defunct. Hopefully there will be some saving of the company, of their IP. Uh, why I bring this up is because, um, well, like I had just sent you not too long ago. I was going to bring it up. I was going to bring it up during, I'm glad you mentioned it. Okay. Yes. So, so, the, uh, so Eagle Moss has these two beautiful volumes of starships uh, of the entire chronology of Trek. I have the two Starfleet starship volumes after uh, I want to say after Picard season one, actually after quite a bit of um, discovery Picard and even lower decks, they updated their second uh, volume. Of Starfleet ships. And so I, I have it and I was going through the bookshelf because I re I have to post some updated um some updated shelf porn to the Twitter feed before too long. But I yeah. I may I, I I raised a shelf, I 
I made some changes so that I can accommodate in December, uh, 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 Fred Almond's upcoming How to Defend Your Lair. We'll be talking about that. Don't you worry, everybody. Um, hopefully have him, him back. Uh, but uh, I've been a little concerned because I really want the starships through Picard season three next year. And so, um, because, because um, now again, by, by the time you've heard this, Terry Metalis has shared some more things courtesy of Lori and Tony on the all access podcast, but um, you know, it's been a constant tease for the past couple of months from him on social media of all the ships we're going to see and the space docks and so on. And well, I want all of that in a hard copy so I can peruse and put it on my shelf. And um, I don't know if we're going to get it. So that's a little selfish, but that's what's actually kind of been on my mind for the GM corner of just wondering in two to three years, will there still be one more Eagle Moss Starfleet volume uh, or an update? Because, uh, I mean, their work is just incredible. What, well, I, what's, would hope, yeah. I would hope, yeah, I would hope someone would pick it up, and I would suspect someone will. I suspect you still have right. the same folks who mm -hmm. independent of the, the, the business itself, the, yeah. the creators and the writers and all that are still probably willing yeah. to put it together. And yeah. you're the one that turned me on to that material. Yeah. Um, and you had, you've had it for a while. Mm -hmm. It just it didn't mm -hmm. resonate with me until we started doing the podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, and I played a lot of Star Trek online, um, where they had all the different ships, non-canon. Mm -hmm. but still mm -hmm. the choice of playing yep, all these yep. different ships. So Pretty for cool. me, um, yeah. What's on the know, from, from an RPG perspective, um, I have been, again, I feel like I'm just repeating myself all the time. Are we um, talking about one ring? Yeah, there is. Yeah. I, I, I keep been, going, keep going. Yeah, no, no. Well, no, no, no. Because, because um, you are the one that you mentioned it to me, but I had already, purchased and printed out the strider module that oh, allows you yeah. to play in effect solo i'm i'm still really curious about that with the one ring so that is on my i've had we've had some stuff going on just just traditional mm -hmm. busyness yep um the past couple of days because you know you and i both knew june this summer was going to be crazy i had one graduate high school one going to mm -hmm. college you know mm -hmm. and then kids with jobs and we both had atypically stuff. busy summers yeah these are very atypically busy yeah. Um, but the one ring with the Strider module. Yeah. And then um, literally, I can't see this tells you this is where the fog comes in. I don't know if I talked about this. You might remember. I actually have it in my hand. Mm -hmm. um, but the one, the Burning Wheel Anthology, which came out. Um, yep. And so, so curious. Yeah. And it's, and it was, it's burningwheel.com. It's notes from, Luke Crane and all that about changes and all that they want to make. So literally on my desk, Jason can see this is my. Yeah. Well, you've been sending set. me and I've been loving it. You've been sending me desk porn next to your work setup. Like what made the short list. And, and if people could see it, you really should post it because to give you insight into like, to give our listeners insight into like our mindset around RPGs in real life, you have such a menagerie of unrelated game books yeah, right have, now. It's really cool. Yeah, I have the, so I'll, I'll post a picture. I have the Rules Digest for Modifia Star Trek Adventures, 
along with the player and game master guides. Then I have the uh, player's handbook and DM guide and DM screen for D&D 5. See, there and is. then I have all of my random table and, and resource guides from like Tim Woods, Jeff Ashworth. Jeff Ashworth. Yep. Yep. Um, and some other ones that, that from Matt Davids that we haven't talked about. No. Um, so I have that. And then I also have the burning wheel and I have Torchbear because those are the ones that are on our mind. And you and I actually, just cause like, I, like we said, everything's been so busy. I think, I don't know if I texted you last night or the night before when we were just doing some brief texting and I'm like, we have got to game again. And yeah. I think, we're kind of settling on this idea that we have our D and D stuff, but it might kickstart us if we do something Star Trek. Yeah. I think we should end so, it there. Yeah. Cause this is, I, I have a feeling this is going to work its way into some, we need to talk a bunch offline. And I think, I think this is going to work its way probably into a number of upcoming GM corners because um, there are other things we've been talking about doing as well. Oh um, goodness! See, and that, this is where the and, font comes in. Well, well, because we haven't we haven't done anything with it since I did the very preliminary setup. Um, but that's why I say I think there's there's a, there's uh, it's gonna be yes. it's gonna be a fun it's gonna be a, a fun fall. Everybody, um, expect that. Ironically, our, it's when things will yeah. potentially quiet down. For I, us. I, I, I it's it's. It's. I was. I was just saying to my to my wife the other day. Of yeah, it's a little counterintuitive, but I'm looking forward to being back in the office at the university because my time. I because with me being there, I can regulate my time, and it's like I go in, I come home, and I'm at a point in my career now where when I'm home, I just I'm not going to do much. I'm going to. It's just going to be family time and time for other projects. And, and, um, and over the summer, it's harder because there's no schedule for me. It's harder. There's no, well, schedule. And there are, there are things that, that we want to do that would allow us to be creative, but put us in front of the computer for a little bit. Yep. Um, so we'll talk about those though. I'll leave you with, uh, um, okay. Two things. I'll leave you with two things. One, cause you posted it and I forgot, um, to respond back. I did get my copy of Mazda stories in the mail, <laughs> and that hilarious. has been on my desk. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. As Mazda orders, we get a little magazine where they advertise. Their vehicles I, I put them. mine in the, I put my copy in the reading room just yeah. earlier. Today. Mine's mine's on my, on my, my, by my chair. And then I always considered, I still do even years later, consider fall kind of an, a start of a year for me. Fall felt like the start of the year. Mm because of school um, yep, even when i right. wasn't in school um I it's just organic others who were yep who were and every fall last night was was nice and cool mm-hmm. and it reminded me of going to the bookstore oh yeah autobahn court books yep yep Oral and Hunt. getting you would get desert sage tea yep i would get ginger peach tea yep it would be cool out and then we would sit like you were talking about with Schwartz and talk about track. This is pre-web folks, tracks. Oh yeah. Yeah. Faith, politics, anything that wasn't, you know, I mean, and we obviously had our moments where it was sophomore. Those discussions in it. Well, let me put it this way. This podcast and everything we do for and around it is very directly 
a long delayed result that's of those yep of uh, I very look forward directly to the fall when we are going to do these yes when the air is cool and you've and got gonna... your pumpkin spice on the desk yes and I i've do. got my i've got my coffee i'm with you my friend i am with you yep. mm-hmm. all right everybody um since it's still august and fall's not here yet we're going to bid you all farewell as always uh, be well stay well we will see you next week